Well, hello and welcome to the game line. We're currently going out live on Facebook, YouTube, and on Periscope. We're going out a little bit later on in podcast form. I'm your host, Ben James, and I'm joined this evening by Matt Southcombe and Simon Thomas. Wales are one game away from a Grand Slam. Who could possibly have conceived that a mere few months ago? They beat in Italy today, 48-7. Comprehensive, uh, to be honest, in Roma. Bonus points secured long before the halftime whistle. Gents, it's it's a tough one to analyse in many ways, isn't it? It's a funny one because um, if the uh, viewers are watching this, CRI is wandering elsewhere. It's probably because the England-France game is on the background. Uh, and I think in, in the same way as in which we've got one eye on that, inevitably I think Wales would have had one eye on that France game coming up next week because I think realistically everyone knew, I mean, Italy hadn't won a Six Nations game 30 games in a row. They lost the last 30. I mean, just, you know, entire situation. And I think the general view was that if Wales played anything like they could, they should win comfortably, and they did. Um, It was quite a professional job, I thought, really. I mean, especially if you look at the fact, um, look, they scored four tries, during the 20-minute period where Italy were a man down to, due to having a player in the sin bin. Um, the, the skipper, Lukovici, the and the prop also went off, you know, and very clinical at that period. I think Wales probably become quite accustomed to knowing what to do against 14 men during this championship, haven't they? And they, and they certainly showed um, quite a ruthless streak there, um, capitalising very effectively on the game. And really that 20-minute period won the game along with um, the line out mauling which I'll come on to later but yeah job done and um, now we wait to see whether we we'll be playing a French team that's won or a French team that's lost and it's uh, half an hour to go Exactly. Um, as you say, eyes are sort of naturally drifting towards the television but the good thing from Wayne Pivak's point of view is this is in our hands, isn't it, man? This is, we, you know, we don't need to worry about the French too much. It's just a grand slam. Yeah, I mean, you know, as Simon touched on, it's a thoroughly uh, professional job today. You know, just the the little, you can see the experience coming through as well from players who have been there and done it before. You know, when when BG went off for his yellow card and, you know, Italy took off Monti um on the wing to make way for the replacement hooker. Suddenly everyone knew where the space was and there was a missed pass from Dan Bigger and, and Josh Adams was in the corner. And suddenly, you know, you you sort of you're opening up a lead straight away. It was textbook way to beat Italy, take them out of the game in the first 20 minutes, and they never really come back from that. Uh, if you look, you know, historically, so you know, it was a great performance all round, really, from Wales. I know things sort of fell off a little bit in the in the sort of final quarter when all the changes had been made, and I think perhaps you know a few players trying to prove too much of a point and try a little bit too hard. Concentration went at times, you know, a few drop passes and it got a bit sloppy. But I think you let them off. Um, that, you know, the game was killed in the first half. And and as you said, Ben, you know, it's, it is all in Wales's hands. And you know, I guess we'll come on to talk about the, the game next week in a little while. But, you know, if, if you had said to me that Wales would be four from four at this stage, um, at the end of the autumn, I'll, I would never have believed you. Um, you know, we've talked... There's been a lot of talk in the press conferences as well, you know, looking back on where they were back in the autumn, 
did the players really believe they could get to this point? Um, you know, Pivak will tell you that that suffering was required. And, you know, you see the likes of Callum Sheedy uh, and those players, Kieran Hardy as well, you know, before his injury, Lewis Rees-Samich obviously benefited from it as well. You know, we, we're kind of seeing the, the benefits of that series now. So, you know, it, to get to this point, there's been a, a great achievement. Um, you know, they just, they just need to go and finish the job, really. It's interesting, Matt, you talked about... Um... BG being off, you know, and the fact that Ione was taken um, off amid the reshuffle. It was cute from Wales, wasn't it? Because almost mm. the obvious thing in a way was to go to Ione's wing, but they actually mm. went to the other wing where it was a one-on-one. But I think what they, they did show was it was an awareness. You know, you, when you're against a team that's reduced, especially when the wings come off, you look to stretch. You look to stretch them even more than they already are down a man. And you look to get the ball in the hands of your wings quickly. And then they did that with the Josh Adams try. Lovely long pass from Bigger right into his path. One-on-one with Bellini, he wasn't going to be stopped there. And if you look then at the build-up to the second try when BG was in the bin, again, it was a turnover when Italy were actually on the attack. Ball quickly out to re-summit. Long kick downfield. Creates an attacking opportunity. Ball goes into midfield again. It's a long pass. Long pass from Liam Williams to Josh Adams. Stretch the team that's already depleted. Adams beats a couple of men, a couple of forward carries. Strimp simple passing out wide then to a team that's been stretched to breaking point. Five pairs of hands. Lewis Rees-Samid out to Faletau. First try for Wales in five years. Job done. You know, it was uh, it was clinical. It was good. It was impressive. And uh, they did the same then again in the second half when the prop got sent off for leading with a forearm, I think, in the Hall of Hollow, wasn't it? Um, again, up the tempo, because they'd gone a little bit off the boil at that point, but upped it again, scored two more tries while the man was in the bin. Brilliant play from Navidi for the first one, I thought. You know, the way he got the ball across the body with Stephen Varney right in his face, but Sheedy over. And then it was the gas man, wasn't it? You know, the gas man came knocking, uh, picked off Canner's pass on his own uh, 22, spun away, and it was bye-bye, wasn't it? You weren't catching Louis Rees-Samit from there. And, and that was the game done and dusted. And, yeah, just very impressive, really. I imagine, I think we all went in our predictions for victories very similar to the end scoreline. Um, you know, so that wasn't a surprise in itself. But we probably didn't expect it to come in the manner that it did in the, in the Wales to sort of paraphrase Wayne Pivak, they brought the razzle-dazzle early, which was something that he didn't expect them to do and that we didn't expect it. We thought it'd probably be, you know, you get on top of Italy for the first half and then the points will come later in the match. And it was the complete opposite. You know, Wales were at one point, you know, had as many points on the scoreboard as there were minutes on the clock. Yeah, look, I, Italy were terrible. And I don't think we, we you know, nobody really expected them to, to be that passive that early in the match, you know? I mean, there's a lot of talk about Italy. There always is. But, you know, we're, we're pushing, seven, what is it, like seven years now since they've won a Six Nations game. You, know, you always expect them to front up in the first 20 minutes. But really, Wales, it, it, it was tough to watch at times. You know, Wales didn't really have to get out of second gear in that first 20 minutes. Uh, and they were running in tries almost at will. And, you know, it looked easy. You know, the, that Faletau try, you know, as the ball was going across the line, it didn't exactly fizz across the line. You know, it took his time to get to Faletau, but from the moment that it started going across the field, it was a weird sense of inevitability about the try. Um, you know, Italy were, were really poor. Um and it kind of made it easy for Wales in a way. It almost felt like a training session at times. You know, there was nowhere really that the Italians got on top. 
know, really throughout the match. Um, so like you said, you didn't expect it to come as easily as it did, to be honest. And I don't think Wales expected that. But, you know, it was the perfect afternoon for Wayne Pivak. You get the bonus point in the bag, get it in the bag early. Um, and then it allows you to bring off, you know, your, your Alan Wins, your George North, your Falatows, get them off, wrap them in cotton wool and, and give them a, a, you know, half hour on the bench rather than, out in the middle. So, no, it couldn't have gone much better from his point of view, but really, you know, I think the conversation should be in that regard around just how poor Italy were. That, that's the other thing, isn't it? That whole thing about it feeling like a training ground exercise is, you know, it, it's made it to feel, you feel like that even more because of the absence of a crowd. Mm. And it, it is just like watching them go through the training regime. And, you know, even with a sort of a, a kind of prosaic try like that, where there's a kind of inevitability to it, you'd still get excited with the crowds there, wouldn't you? Because you the crowd could see it coming. With this one, it was just like running it through, wasn't it? You know, it was literally like the kind of thing you'd see with them doing the basics, put the ball down back to halfway, let's go again, next training run. And I suppose that's where Italy are at the moment. But, you, but, you, but you've got to still beat them, you know, and... Um, I think Wales made them look poorer than anybody has this championship, to be honest. They just did a real number on them. And the big thing for me as well, it's, it's the transformation in that Welsh line now. It's been a gradual thing, hasn't it? It was so poor in the autumn. Real problems again against Ireland in the first game. Sorted it against Scotland. And it's just grown and grown and grown. And it's gone now from being an Achilles heel to an absolutely key part of their attacking armoury. Because they haven't just sorted it. They've now turned it into a major weapon, in particular with the way they attach to it this driving mall out, driving mall. The, the driving line-out that Wales have now is a lethal weapon. They are eating up ground with it. And it's been a thing that's happened more and more as the, as the campaign has progressed. They just seem to have it really well-oiled. It gets going forward. It's very hard to stop. Even when they momentarily stop, they get it going again. The opposition don't seem to have any answer to it. And the succession of tries now during this championship have stemmed from that area, whether it be a bit of a rumble forward to get things going initially before the goal, ball goes wide, as with the Falatau try, came from Alan Wynne-Jones, take, rumble, carry on, try comes from eventually. Or now they've got the ability to take the direct route and go straight to the whitewash, which is what they did twice today with, with, with line-out tries that ended up with Ken Owens going over. First of all, he's in the van, then he does very well for the second after it splits a little bit, finds himself nicely, it breaks away, gets up, stretches over. You know, you know, he waits five try five years for a try and two come along in eight minutes for, for the sheriff. So, you know, happy days. But that line out now, thirteen out of thirteen again, and just a hugely impressive mall. It's a it's a major part of their game. Yeah, the, you, you can see the confidence starting to come through in the line-out. I think, I think it was sort of midway through the second half. It might have been after Ken's second try. They had another attack in line-out where um, they go to the tail and then they pop it back inside from the back of the mall to Josh Adams. Just running little moves like that, you know, little variant. Stuff like that. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. That was the, yeah, Ken had come on to yeah, come on to the tail, and he, he gave an inside ball to Josh Adams. Just stuff like that, you know, just looks like they're they're starting to grow in confidence. And you know, maybe maybe last year was a case of putting putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. You know, they wanted all these little nuances, but they, they couldn't secure possession. And now now they're doing the basics and, and as such that they're starting to uh, to thrive from it. Um let's have a little look in the comments <laughs> one here from Gary Stevens uh, says Simon is clearly not engaged 
in this chat. Uh, I think he's, I I'm talking. <laughs> I think you've noticed, Gary, that there might be a game on uh, in the background. Uh, let, let's get on to individual performances. Um, who, who stood out today? Well, for, for me, uh, I, I think Dan Bigger deserves a mention. Um, you know, obviously a man who's under a lot of fire regularly. Um, you know, I think if you look at the way he's playing at the moment, you see that wide pass for Josh Adams' first try. That's something a lot of people accuse him of not being able to do. Um, you know, there was, a, there was an offload as well that almost led to a try uh, in the first half uh, back inside to Corey Hill, I think. Um, so you just see that sort of endeavour from him as well. Um, I just think that he, you know, the, the high ball that he gathered as well from the Gareth Davis box kick in the first half. You know, I just think you're seeing a lot of the best parts of his game at the moment. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think he's been as bad as some people have made out, but I think he certainly. I, I think he was certainly a contender for one of the better performers today. Um, you know, and obviously Josh Navidi getting man of the match was would be one of the others as well. But you know, it, it's tough to it's tough to it's a bit like you know because it, it was such a you know commanding performance in so many ways. It's difficult to to single out individuals that they were just so much better than Italy in pretty much every part of the game. But you know, I I would probably just give a word for bigger myself just because I thought. You know, he managed that that first half very well and and put Wales in a really good position. Yeah, I mean, obviously Navidi was the man of the match, and I, I've mentioned that you know lovely bit of skill we passed across his body for Sheedy's try, put a huge amount of tackles in, carried. You know, deserved a prize for him. I mean, others for me. I mean, Ken Owens. I've mentioned him already for the tries, but I mean, Ken needs to take a real credit because he's played a big part in transforming that lineup and making it such a strength. And he's just such a galvanizing. You really have to watch him singing the blooming anthem at the start, don't you? Bellowing it out, he was alongside Alwyn Jones. It just kind of sets a stall out, doesn't it? It's such a reassuring presence to see those two together, you know. And Ken's accuracy in the lineout and his contribution around the field and his inside passing. I'll tell you the other one, perhaps another one who maybe is a bit of an unsung hero. I thought Corey Hill as well, you know. Corey's become a really important member of that squad. And more so than in any kind of period during his time, he's a real line-out target now, up and down the line-out, winning really good ball, carrying good hands. Um, so I think, I mean, that's an interesting one there, isn't it? With Adam Beard playing so well as well, that's a big, big call. I mean, I don't know, I suppose you look at what you want for the France game, but again, it's just great to have that kind of strength and depth. We have someone like Jake Ball, you know, coming off the bench as well. I know he's leaving at the end of the season. Yeah, but I mean, I thought Corey Hill did well. But yeah, it was just generally a very good performance. And Josh Adams as well, just one little mention for him. It's a tough campaign in many ways, as we all know. Didn't make a bit of a mess of the try, which he should have finished this, you know, the second opportunity. But I thought generally he looked very threatening today. Yeah, it was a um, a strange one for Josh Adams today, wasn't it? Um, obviously, he took the try well to begin with. The, I think Shane Williams said on commentary that he'd fallen out with the ball at one point. It just seemed to be bobbling away from him a couple of times. Obviously, there was that knock on down the left when there was some nice work. Um, I think he missed the kick then seconds later. And obviously, that the try itself is one that he'll he'll probably look back and, and think, how did I not finish that? It was a um, it was a weird one. It was, it was like a weird one. It was like he had the ball over the line for quite a long period, didn't he? And he was he almost like almost pressing it against his own leg. It seemed at one point. I mean, listen, Josh Adams will find himself in that situation fifty times, and he'd score 46, 47, 48 times. You know, he'd score, wouldn't he? It happens. But but I thought, I mean, in particular, if you look back to the build up to 
and Falatau's try, the way he cut that line in between two defenders, he had loads of work to do, took play right up to the line. That's what he can do. I think generally he's getting more involved and I think that's a really big plus for Wales to get him back back involved because he, he is a really potent threat when he gets the ball. It was a real, real shame that, that the try wasn't allowed because the build-up was just brilliant. I think Sheedy threw a sort of mispass over the top of Italian defender. There was offload to Liam Williams to get the ball wide. I mean, if, if if the scoreline wasn't so close, you know, could you make the argument with the TMO of intervening there? You know, is that is that was it clear and obvious to to overrule the try? That's the argument I saw some people put. I mean, I, I mean the other try that was ruled. The other try that was ruled that Lewis Rees-Samus try in the um, when it was a forward pass, I think from Bigger was given, wasn't yeah. it? That was a lovely move as well. You know, hit the line from George North. That's the other thing I was going to mention um, very briefly was his offloading. Um, it was something you didn't see a huge amount during the war on Gatlin era. Tended there to be a case of you know making sure of retaining possession, going through the phases to wear teams down. And just even uh, Jones and Wayne Pivak, there's a different emphasis. There's more of a license for players to play that kind of high-risk, high-reward strategy, which with defences being so organised is such an effective way of getting through and putting people into space. And for me, you saw it exemplified by George North's try early in the second half. And the fact that it was Jonathan Davis who did the offload showed that the senior players are buying into this Welsh way drawing the man, pops it away. You put North into space like that with his pace and power, he's going to score. So it's just another example for me of how Wales are becoming a very dangerous side with ball in hand. That is 17 tries now in four Six Nations matches. That's some return. Yeah, just just quickly on that, Ben. Sorry as well. I think that's a that's evidence of the evolution of the side as well. Because if you cast your mind back to the Six Nations last year, they never they always struggled to get that balance right. They were throwing offloads, but they weren't always offloads in the right part of the field. They were kind of throwing it when it wasn't on. It was almost like barbarians rugby at times. But it kind of feels like they've got that balance right now, and they they're starting to find that sweet spot. Uh, I think it was Eddie Jones mentioned that you gotta you gotta look for a sweet spot between the coach's philosophy and the the way that the team is able to play and I think they're starting to find that you know they're playing a bit of what Pivak wants to do but they're not going too far away from what they're actually good at as individuals as well so now you're starting to see that balance and you know the offloads like you said that a lot of them stuck today you saw the North one for the re-summit try that was disallowed then the Davis one for the North try and as I touched on earlier that that bit of interplay for the one that nearly sent Corey Hill over in the first half you know when you see Wales playing that way it's, it's quite encouraging getting through the tackle getting your arms free um, but it, it just feels to me like this side has started to find the right balance between you know doing too much uh, and doing just about the right amount I've just seen Ellis Genji's hair I'm sorry I have to break in at that point <laughs> what has he done uh, honestly it's like Scott Quinnell 1999 the bleach blonde look fair play to him as if he wasn't noticed enough with some of his uh, activities on the pitch <laughs> Yeah, yeah, extraordinary. But, I think they, they just won a very big scrum penalty. So, uh, oh, oh dear. I think Matt made a really good point there about the balance. You know, you know, it's it's finding it's finding that area that compromise, not compromise so much, but that nice mix of the way you want to do things, the way things have been done, the experience players bring, and just meld it in, into a into a very effective unit. He said in his pre-match interview I saw with ITV that. Um, you know, they were aiming for this perfect display. And it's, no, they're not, it's still not there, except they bombed a couple of chances they really should have taken and they, they let a try in, which we'd be disappointed with. But you just feel that it's moving up, isn't it? It's on an upward curve. And the confidence is growing. It's blossoming. 
They're willing to try things. And what's important is you've seen Wales teams do that in the past, but without much of a platform. They've now got a lineup that works and is really effective. Their scrum is solid. And they're, they're doing a number on teams physically. And when you've got that, and you've got attacking ambition, and you've got a strike back three like Wales have got, and an outside centre like Wales have got who can score tries given any space, that's a, that's a pretty decent unit, isn't it? Mm, definitely. Um, you mentioned uh, they'll be frustrated conceding uh, a try today. A uh, question here from Richard Thomas. What's your view on Gethin Jenkins? The things seem to have turned the corner since he came up, came on board. Um yeah, and undoubtedly so. You know, I think he's sort of gone back to basics, hasn't he? Where maybe Byron Hayward had overcomplicated things in in his philosophy of defence. Gethin's very much gone back to 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 what they know. Yeah, I guess that's probably fair. And I mean, <laughs> I asked Wayne Bivak if Gethin would be uh, disappointed with conceding that try today, and. Um, Pivak said that he was he was fuming when Wales were twenty seven nil up at half time um, because they weren't bringing the the right amount of line speed or winning the collisions in the way that he would have liked. So that gives you an insight in into the mind of Gethin Jenkins, I think. And you know you got to you got to remember how much rugby that he played under Sean Edwards, you know, and you know was often heralded as a, as a really good defensive player um, that sort of belied his position as a loose head prop in many ways, you know, over the ball and things like that. So, you know, he, he was ve- he was very much, you know, mentored and taught by by Sean Edwards for the bulk of his career. And if you spend that much time under a coach like Sean Edwards, it rubs off, doesn't it? And I think that probably influences his philosophies now. Um, and like you said, they probably have gone back to the way that things, you know, a lot of the players will be comfortable with in those systems. There's still a few little things that are, that, that are not quite right, and at times they've been cut. They've been cut to pieces in the tournament, but it, it really is, you know. Well, obviously, it hasn't been, you know, major damage because they're four from four. But you know, I just I, I watched, the, you know, particularly the first twenty minutes today. Italy would there was nothing. They offered absolutely nothing that troubled Wales, and Wales looked so comfortable without the ball um, that that it was almost like an unfair contest. But yeah, you know, I think you know, it's, you've got to praise Gethin Jenkins. I think the what was it the Island game was over two and well over two hundred tackles um, and things like that. You know those stats are incredible, and you know you have to um, you have to compliment the the defence coach for that. Yeah, uh, I think so. Two hundred and forty tackles, I think, wasn't it? And yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a well taken try by Ioni today, wasn't it? I mean, sometimes that's going to happen against you, and you know again. <laughs> Against France, they're certainly going to be tested. So it'll be we'll find out a bit more again about the Welsh defence in Paris, I guess. Obviously, going moving on to, to France, we've mentioned uh, one selection battle that could be a tough one for people. I could decide that's Corey Hill or Adam Bird. In terms of the rest of the squad, it's largely settled. Um, one position that might be interesting is scrum half I, I don't feel like Gareth Davis nailed the, the jersey down today and if he Thomas Williams to, comes uh, back in contention in the next week could that, that could that maybe a, be a decision for him to make that that's the uncertain bit isn't it because we kind of thought Thomas might come into the equation for this game because you know he said he was back in training after his hamstring but they can you know they can be tricky things to overcome um, I think the Pivak's phrase was that he wasn't quite ready 
does that mean that he'll be ready in a week's time? I mean, you know, I think if he is, he comes into the 23. I, I suspect they'd probably still start with Gareth because Thomas wouldn't have played since the opening game against Fra- Ireland, rather, which was, was that first week in February. So you're talking six weeks. So I, 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 my guess would probably be stick with the winning team with Gareth Thomas, Gareth Davis at nine. I think the one change, I, despite what I said about Corey Hill, and he was excellent, I think possibly the one change would see Beard come in um, as much as anything because he's such an effective operator in line-up, more defence in the front. We know what the French can do in that area. Um, and he's very effective at calling the line. So probably the same again, but just with that one change. Uh, maybe the other sort of, not question mark, but the other one that needed to sort of prove himself today in terms of fitness, Jonathan Davis. How, how do you think he went in, in yeah. 12? Yeah, you know, good enough. Um you know, I, there was a there was a few mistakes in the second half, uh, but you know, you, you saw the offload for North's try. Um, that was nice, and you know, it, it shows a bit of promise to to see those two guys linking together um, in that sort of way. Uh, so I think I think you know you can be you can be satisfied with his performance. I think it's a step. Uh, another step in the right direction. Uh, he's still clearly on his way back. I don't think he's quite the finished article in, you know, terms of getting back to where he was at his best. But he's definitely moving in the right direction. And I think you can be, you can be satisfied with the way he's performing. I think he keeps the shirt. Um, I don't think there was enough in there to suggest that he doesn't start in Paris. Um, you know, he's got so much experience as well. That's going to count for so much in the final final weekend. I don't think you can, I don't think you start Willis Halaholo now um, in Paris. Not for me anyway. Um, you know, I thought that Johnny Williams was actually quite unlucky to be totally thrown out of the mix uh, in, this, in this competition. Doesn't seem to be getting a look in now, uh, which I thought was perhaps a tad harsh. Um, but, you know, I think Jonathan Davis is, you know, while he's not, He's not clearly not the Jonathan Davis of 2017. Um, I think he's definitely moving in the right direction. And, you know, it has been um, pleasing to see the way that he's formed a bit of a partnership now with George North, particularly uh, today. What was- yeah, he's looked comfortable at 12, I think, really. You know, I mean, he's just a very experienced player, a lot of rugby know-how, isn't he? And, uh, yeah, I think the partnership is gelling. I mean, that try for North was, you know, real evidence that it is coming together quite nicely. And what was interesting is I think at the start of the tournament, you saw, obviously, when Lee Halfpenny was playing fullback, he was taking on that sort of role as the second playmaker in the back line to stand in as first receiver, second receiver a lot. Obviously, Liam Williams is now fullback. And we I thought today we saw Jonathan Davis taking that role a lot more, which is a, a fair bit different to what we've sort of seen from him with Wales before. Maybe that's why he's sort of risen the pecking order sort of above Johnny Williams is... Pivak sort of looked to, to maybe where his fullback is going to be in terms of the pecking order and adjusted his centre selection accordingly. Yeah, the other thing that Jonathan does offer, I mean, he's a real distraction. It's, it's, it's almost like Jamie Roberts thing because I mean, Jamie was, a, was an even bigger man, but Jonathan's a big boy. You know, and when he comes on a decoy run, he's going to distract you. I think that was noticeable a couple of times today. He will catch the eye and the ball can then go behind him and you know, the strike runners behind can do their damage. So and obviously he does bring, you know, real solidity in the sort of head-to-head physical challenges. And when you think that um, you can have Vakatawa coming down some channels next week, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, um, yeah, Jonathan's physicality and his strength and organisation, they'll be valuable. 
if you have noticed the eyes flit into the television screen more than usual, I think England have possibly scored a try here. But uh, I think they're going to the TMO, so uh, we'll keep you updated on that one as and when. Um, so, yeah, we've talked a lot about Italy. Now it's a quick turnaround, um, and it's a Grand Slam week, and it's it's, it's going to feel like a Grand Slam week probably like no other because the tournament as a whole, you know, with COVID and, and the lack of fans has, has been slightly low-key in, in its build-up, and it'll be interesting to see maybe how that progresses this week. Yeah, very interesting week, isn't it? You know, and um, it's kind of it's it's weird the whole momentum, isn't it? Because you, you can't kind of quite tell what's going on in people's houses right now, you know. And how, how much are people jumping up and down and going crazy about it all? And sort of, you could certainly tell in Cardiff after a match day, if Wales were one game away from the Grand Slam, you it'd be like the fall of Saigon, you know. But, um, whereas uh, now it's hard to say, but. You know, I think we really have to look at, I suppose it's a little bit of a barometer, the amount of people who are reading our stuff about it. They seem quite engaged, don't they? You know, and um, there's a lot of enthusiasm and interest. And I think it's it's like a lot of Wales successes and Grand Slams that I've experienced in the past. They're the, they're the best ones is when they're a bit of a surprise, you know. And this mm. has been a very, very pleasant surprise. And it's just going on and on and on now into the last game. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great week. I think um, I think what you've got to look at in it as well is you've got to look at the experience in this side now. Um, you know, Alan Wynne-Jones has won three Grand Slams and another Six Nations title already. So he knows what this week is all about. I mean, the one question mark you kind of had over Wales in recent weeks is how much how much can the youngsters keep their focus? How how are they going to be able to keep their feet on the ground? Are they going to get carried away with the situation? Um, how much are the older players in the squad going to be able to keep them under wraps and focused on the task at hand? And they always, you know, so far, they seem to be doing that. And I think you've just, like I said, you've got to look at the spine of this side now. I think that was the most experienced team Wales have ever named today in terms of caps, like well over 900 caps. Um, you know, throughout the side, there is so much experience now and players that have done this a number of times. You know, just speaking to George North and Alan Wynn after the match just now, you just hear hear them talking and you just get a sense that they're not going to be overawed by the, the challenge that lies ahead. So, you know, I'm not saying that this is a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination because France are probably, you know, the, the the toughest challenge Wales will face in this competition. So, you know, this this is going to be no easy easy task. But if Wales don't get the job done next week, I don't think it will be because they lost their focus. I, I think it will be because France are, are a very good side. So, you know, all the, all the signs we've seen so far uh, that this team has got the right mindset. They're in the, they're in a good frame of mind. They're obviously now playing with confidence as well. So, I think you look at the experience in that camp now, and it just gives you a little bit of uh, a sort of safety blanket kind of feel to it that that they're not going to let this week get the better of them. I mean, I think the nature of the week may just have changed, really, about after just what's <laughs> happened at Twickenham. And um, I know, ironic, isn't it? The man who took a lot of flack after the Wales England game, Maro Itoje, is the man who scored the try to put England ahead 22 20. He's just celebrating there like he's won the World Cup after another penalty goes England's way. So, two minutes left, um, England leading. I mean, so as it stands, that does change the nature of the table. I mean, just looking at it there, I mean, France would obviously get a, um, a losing bonus point, which would take them to 10. Um, they'd still have two games to play. Um, 
and they would be nine points nine behind points. Wales. Um, so, you know, you can start doing the maths, can't you, really? You know, obviously the ideal thing would be for Wales to win next week and absolutely nail it. So making the kind of France's last game of the week after against Scotland kind of, um, you know, a bit, a bit of irrelevance in terms of the table. Uh, but, you know, losing bonus point, you start to come into the equation of all that. But it's not, I think you just settle for it, didn't you? Wales going into their last game with a nine point lead in the championship table. Probably <laughs> settle for that beforehand, Mr. Pivak. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think one, one point on that is that I don't think there'll be a lot of talk about that, will there? You know, we all know that they'll be um, in camp this week wanting to, wanting to finish with a grand slam. I don't think anyone's going to be discussing the prospect of losing bonus points being enough or any of that sort of chat. I think they'll shoot that down pretty swiftly. I mean, they've got to play Scotland as well. They're, not, they're a tidy team, France, you know. So, I mean, it's looking good. I mean, I suppose, I mean, I've been watching this game closely in the first half and flicking back and forth as we've been talking. And I, and it's interesting, you know, and it is important, I think, in terms of what Wales are going to face. It's been, it's been a real mix. I mean, there's been some absolutely extraordinary rugby from France in this game. Their second try, straight off the training ground, absolutely executed to perfection um, that just showed their absolute threat it was magnifique you know it really was yet England have also caused them problems so it's, it'll be fascinating I'll just sit down and look through the tape and there'll be things to look that you have to worry about things to look at that you think well might be an opportunity there you know and England have softened them up going down the middle and then going wide at times and scored a try there with, through Itoje with like, you know, muscling their way over so um, even look look, DuPont even had a kick charged down in this game the block's human you know so uh <laughs> There's always hope, isn't there? And I was just looking at oh, looking at the face of the French coach now. He, oh, he looks like he's had a month of some days that he didn't like. There we are. Well, it's um, it's going to be one heck of a week, isn't it? Regardless of the, the France game. After that, it is full time. Yeah, England twenty three, France twenty. So you know. It, the job doesn't change for Wales, does it? There's one week left, the Tournament of Wales. It's a grand slam on the line for them. They know what their job is next week. It's a massive, massive week. Uh, Bubbers, I believe, are finally back open next week. Which what are you saying? What are you saying? Maybe, you want to get yourself booked in, sir? <laughs> maybe, nice grand slam here, maybe, Yeah, maybe more important than a, a Wales grand slam this side. <laughs> but, um, well, you won't be able to follow me uh, getting my hair cut uh, on Wales Online. You will be able to follow all the action ahead of next week's Grand Slam Decider on Wales Online. Mm-hmm.